Good morning, church. Good morning. What a great day. I hope and pray everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope you got enough to eat. And uh, I just had a great time with family and with friends, and we are all so blessed, aren't we? And I'm just excited today as we begin our Christmas series and talking about the Christ of Christmas, right? As Jesus changes everything. And I'm so excited about today and excited about this series and what God's going to teach us as we study his word together. Do you know in 1926, there was a pastor named James Allen Francis, James Allen Francis, and he preached a sermon about Jesus. And here's what he said. He said he was born in an obscure village the child of a peasant woman, he grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was a traveling preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property that he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone. And today he is the central figure of the human race. All the armies that have ever marched, all the ships that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Jesus changes everything. I mean, think about it. Jesus changes everything. Jesus, fully God, fully man. The divine has come and everything has changed. I mean, ponder for a moment what the world would be like if Jesus never came. There would be no hospitals because hospitals were started by followers of Jesus. No hospitals, no hospice, no care for the elderly because those were started by the followers of Jesus as well. Everybody would live for themselves, right? It would be get as much as you can, just take care of yourself. People would live by the golden rule. He who has the gold rules, you know? I mean, that's the way the world operates. Education only for the wealthy, If you had a disability, you were worthless. No soup kitchens, no care for the poor, no care for the orphans. But Jesus came. And the good news of Christmas is that Jesus changed everything. He turned the entire world upside down. He said that everybody is important, that everything matters. He changed it all. And that's why we celebrate Christmas Praise be to God. We live in a time where we can celebrate that God has come to this earth and everything is different. Merry Christmas. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, as we unpack the word of God together today. And I'm excited about this series. I'm excited what God's going to teach us through his word. Maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scripture online. We'll also put scripture up on the screen so you can follow along and see what God's word has to say. Uh, This is just so good. But today we're looking at Jesus changes the world. We'll talk about next week how Jesus changes our home and then Jesus changes our vision, our lives, our purpose. But today we want to see just how Jesus changes the world. So pick up here Luke chapter 2. The kids did a better job reading it than I probably will, but I'll try. Here we go. Luke chapter 2 verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria 
And everyone went to his own town to register. Now, when Jesus was born, he came into the world that was dominated by the Romans. It was the Roman Empire. The Romans are the greatest fighting machine our world has ever seen. I mean, they literally conquered the world. Uh, If you've seen Gladiator, you kind of have an idea. I mean, these guys were ruthless. They killed people at all costs. I mean, they just took everybody captive and they made everybody slaves. It's estimated that back in the day when Jesus was born, 70 to 75% of the people were slaves, right? 25 to 30% of the people were free, but everybody else had been conquered by the Romans. And so when you were conquered, you were brought as a slave to some of their cities, you know, to some place, and you worked and did whatever you did as a slave. Caesar Augustus issued this decree. Now, Caesar thought he was God. I mean, literally, he was ruling the world. He had this idea in his mind that he was God and he could do whatever he wanted to do. So he issues a decree that everybody has to go to their own town to register for this census. Now, you and I, we were thinking, okay, if we had to go to our own town to register, you know, if we had to go to where we were born, it would be inconvenient, right? I mean, you know, if you're married and you've got to go to one place and your spouse goes to another place... But we could probably all figure it out. I mean, you know, we could figure out cars, we could figure out planes, we could get there. But think about this. Caesar didn't care about people who were elderly. He didn't care about people who were pregnant. All he cared about is getting his money, people being registered for paying taxes, go and pay, you know, register for this census. And back then, I mean, you're walking or you're on the back of a donkey. He didn't care. Might is right back in this day. Might is right. That was the mentality. He who has the gold rules. It was all about money. It was all about power. It was all about success. And so here's, here's Jesus being born into this world. And he, his decree goes out. So it's Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. So Here's Joseph and Mary. Mary's nine months pregnant. You know, she's nesting, right? She's got, you know, the whole nursery thing going. She's ready to go. She's just kind of kicked back. This decree comes out and they have to leave. Can you imagine that? Being nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey. I mean, going over this rough terrain. But here they are and they're headed down because Joseph and Mary were both of the line of David. So they head to Bethlehem and he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So here's this young couple, and they show up. And there they are looking around and saying, what just happened? When we were there in Nazareth, we were expecting this, this baby and being ready in our nursery and everything was going great. And now here we are. God, where are you? (laughs) God, what just happened to our lives? But God was doing something bigger. He was sending Jesus to change the world. Change everything. You see, back in this time, right, 70 to 75% of the people are slaves. And so there was this idea in their mind that a savior was going to come. I mean, not just in the Jews. If you go back and read ancient historians like Josephus and others, it it permeated worldwide that somebody was going to come and overthrow the Romans. That somebody was going to come and bring deliverance for all these slaves and and make a new way. Now, for the Jews, they had all these prophecies, right? If you go back in the Old Testament, over 300 prophecies concerning the first coming of Christ. 300 prophecies. And all 300 prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus are all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I mean, the probability of that happening is astronomical. But it did. 
However, many of the Jews missed him because they were wanting the world standards. They were wanting this political Messiah to come in. I mean, look at one of these prophecies, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, written 700 years before Christ came. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so if you're a good Jew, I mean, you're reading this and you're thinking, yes, right? The government will be on his shoulders and and his increase of government. And, And so they're thinking this political Messiah. And they missed that God was doing something deeper. God was doing something that would change everyone, not only then, but forevermore. They missed some of these words like wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Peace, something that everybody desired, but they had no idea about how to attain it. Peace, something we all even desire today, that I can have peace. And I love what the God of all creation, those sovereign God He uses this pagan ruler, Caesar Augustus, to issue a decree to move Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem because there was a prophecy written about 700 years earlier in Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that says, But you, Bethlehem, Epathrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. God was saying, I'm doing something incredible I'm changing it all. And Caesar Augustus, you're but a pawn. (laughs) You're but a pawn. But I'm going to change the way the world works. I'm going to change the way the world thinks, the way the world operates. I'm changing everything. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Well, no doubt, I'd be too, right? I mean, you picture the scene. You're out taking care of the sheep. You've done this, you know, all this time. And it's pitch black. The sheep are all there. You're getting sleepy. You're dozing off. And all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shows around you. You know, I mean, there's an angel that appears. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. I love that. I love God's birth announcement. You know, today we kind of get the baby and we put their foot on there, a little card, and we mail it to all of our friends. You know, here you go. Here's the birth announcement. And God said, watch this birth announcement. Okay. (laughs) Heavenly host. Hook it up. Let's go. There's a bunch of shepherds out there. Let's make the proclamation that Jesus is coming. And these guys are going, whoa, what just happened? And there's some words I want you to get in here. I want you to understand this. Because the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible. But if you do, underline that word all. All the people. All the people. 
Because you see, back then, I mean, that, that was just a foreign concept. I mean, back then, people thought the only people that mattered were the people in power, the people who had money, the people who were successful. They didn't think the other people mattered. And Jesus came along and showed us that God says all people matter to him. All people are valuable. There were five groups of people that were marginalized back in this time. I mean, five groups of people. Number one, slaves. Like I said, 70 to 75% of the people were slaves. And if you were a slave, you were literally a tool. I mean, you were just a tool. It, it, as your owner, if, if you didn't do a good job, your owner could get mad at you and you could be killed. Boom. And there was no recourse. I mean, it just, you were just a tool. You were a slave. Many of us probably would have been slaves back in this day. But when Jesus came along, he didn't make a distinction between free people and slave people. He just interacted with everybody. He, he loved all people. And when the early church was started, you know, the slaves flocked to the church. Because they mattered, because they had a place, because they were valuable. You think about it as followers of Jesus throughout the centuries. It's been followers of Jesus who fought against slavery. People like William Wilberforce, age 26, gives his life to Christ. He's part of the English parliament and says, you know what? I could go with the way of the world and just make money for myself and amass more and more stuff. But no, this is wrong. And I'm going to spend my days fighting against it so much that slavery was abolished in England by the time William Wilberforce died. Martin Luther King Jr., a pastor, who said, you know what? It's not right. Everybody matters to God. But do you realize that today there's more slaves than at any other time in history? And as followers of Christ, we've got to step into that and say things like the sex slave trade. It's wrong. It's an abomination to God. And as followers of Jesus, we step up and we say, no, 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 no. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And I can pray and I can give and I can go. And I, somehow I can say people are important and people matter. The second group of people that were marginalized back in this time was this women. Women had very few rights. In fact, if you look in Greek culture, you look at Roman culture, you even look in Jewish culture. In Jewish culture, a husband could get upset at his wife and literally, because of the law of Moses, he could write a note and say, I divorce you. I mean, if she burned his dinner, I mean, it was like, here you go, you're done. And back then, if a woman didn't have a husband or a father or a son, she had no protection. She had nothing. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. All people matter to God. The first person that Jesus revealed himself to as the Messiah was a woman, a Samaritan woman at a well. And Jesus reveals himself, I am the Messiah. And you think about it, it was women who were there at the cross, right? When all the men, all the disciples took off and ran, it was the women who were there. It was the women who went to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. It was the women in the early church who, who served in leadership and who made a difference. It was, it was women who stepped up. Do you know there's parts of the world today where women still can't vote and women still can't drive. And God says, it's not right. All people matter. All people are valuable. The third group of people that were marginalized back in this day, children. Children. There there were no laws against child abuse back then. There was no recourse. A parent could get upset with their child and, and have them stoned to death. A parent could, you know, have them literally killed. You know what? Back in this day, people sacrificed their children to pagan gods. I can't, I can't even get my head around that. I mean, it's like, what in the world? But, but it's true. If your child was born and your child had some abnormality, people would just take their babies and throw them in a river or throw, leave them out in a field. It, they just would. And what did Jesus do when he came? Let the little children come to me. 
Come on, bring them, bring them. Yes, come on. And the disciples are going, no, 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 no. You know, he know who he is. And Jesus is going, no, you get out of the way. Let, let the little children come here. They're important. They're valuable. It's been believers who've, who've started orphanages. It's been believers who've, followers of Jesus who've said, hey, we want to do something to, to protect children. To uphold children because children are valuable. Children matter to God. James 1.27 says the kind of religion that God sees as pure and faultless as this is to look after widows and orphans in their distress. And you and I have this opportunity as believers, as followers of Jesus to, to say, hey, there's orphans today and we can help. And whether it's foster care or whether it's adoption or whether it's sponsoring a child through JMI, but do something. The fourth group of people was this. They were the elderly or the disabled. You see, if you were elderly or disabled and you couldn't contribute or you couldn't make money, you were a drain on society and you were to be kicked out, right? You were to be put outside the village, you were to be put outside the walls. And in fact, if you had a disease, right, you were a leper, lepers had to walk around like this, unclean, unclean, they would have to say that. And so everybody would stay away from them, unclean, unclean, everywhere they went. Can you imagine that? But what did Jesus do? Hey, you guys, come here. Come here. And he would get mud, put it on the eyes of the blind. He would heal. He would restore. He would touch. Because he said, you matter. God cares about you. You're valuable to him. God loves you. There's been followers of Christ who've stepped in. There's been followers of Jesus who've looked around and said, how can I help? How can I take care of people who are older? How can I take care of people who are disabled? How can I help? How can I serve? The fifth group of people, sinners. <laughs> sinners. People who felt like they were just far from God, right? I mean, you're on the outside looking in. And that's why I love that this birth announcement came to a bunch of shepherds. Because shepherds back in this time, I mean, this was not the religious elite, okay? I mean, these were the people who, they couldn't, you know, keep up with all the religious purification rites because they were working with sheep. They didn't, couldn't make it to church every single week because, I mean, it was just so hard. They worked the night shift and it was difficult. And the birth announcement comes not to Caesar Augustus, who thinks he's God, not to the religious elite like the Sanhedrin, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It comes to a bunch of shepherds. Shepherds. Or ordinary people like, like us. Uh, ordinary people who maybe made some mistakes in the past and yet God steps in and says, you are valuable, you matter. When Jesus was calling his disciples, and you would think, man, he's gonna go to seminaries, you know, he's gonna go and find all the Bible scholars, but what do you do? Fishermen. Even a guy named Matthew. In the Bible, you know, the, the Bible kind of made distinctions. The religious people called them sinners and tax collectors. Like, you know, like they're sinners and then like a lower, really bad people are tax collectors. I mean, you know, you, got, you don't even make the sinner qualification. I mean, you're so bad, you're a tax collector. And it was true. I mean, tax collectors back then were people who had sold out to the Romans and collected money, taxes from their own people, their own Jewish people. And the way they got paid was they would tax them even more. So people hated tax collectors. They hated them. And what did Jesus do? Hey, you fishermen, come. Oh, and hey, Matthew, you're a tax collector. Come follow me. <laughs> come on. I know you think you have too much baggage. I know you think you've done too many wrong things. But come on. Come on. Come follow me. Why? Because all people matter. 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I love that. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Jesus is drawing us to himself. He loves us too much to leave us in our sin and our depravity. He wants us to grow and to mature. But all people matter to him. You know, sometimes in our lives, we, we can put people in categories. And whether it's race or nationality or, or whatever it is, socioeconomics. And sometimes we can look at people and we can look at whether somebody's homeless or whether somebody's super successful. And we can compare them. And in our minds, what do we do? We, we set up this scale. We, we almost judge. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. That's the worldly standard. That's not you. Mother Teresa said, you don't have time to judge people if you're busy loving people. And that's what Jesus did. Hey, I love all people. All people matter to me. Jesus not only changed life to say all people matter to him. Jesus changed life with God. Jesus changed life of God. If you want to underline another word, if you're coming over here, it says this great company of heavenly hosts appeared and said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. You can just underline that word, peace. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. You see, that was a foreign concept back then. When it came to religion, you think about Greek mythology, you think about Roman mythology. What do they believe? That the gods were up there and they could care less about man. Right? Man's down here. Man's going through their own deal. And they're trying to get the attentions of these gods. And so they're sacrificing their kids. And they're doing all kinds of things. But these gods up there do not care about man. And Jesus came and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you missed it. You missed it. Not only does God care, God sent me to bring peace. When man was at war with God because of our sin, God came to us. It wasn't that we got cleaned up and got everything right in our lives and then we go to God. Hey, God, here I am. I'm perfect. I've made atonement for all my sins. I mean, I, I've got it all figured out. It was when we were still sinners that Christ died for us, that God sent Jesus to us. Salvation comes when we know that God has done for us. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done and that we find grace in Christ. See, the, the thing that everybody feared back then was death. I mean, you can figure that out, right? Because if you didn't know what the gods were like on the other side, you didn't want to die. I mean, I mean people are scared to death to die because what lies over there? What's going to happen to me when I die? And yet when Jesus came, he showed us what God is really like. He showed us that death isn't something to be feared. That death is a bridge. That death just continues life. And the best is yet to be. That God is for us. That God wants the best for us. That we can have a relationship with God through Christ. Jesus changes everything. He turned the world upside down. He showed us that we can have a relationship with God. And when the shepherds heard this, they didn't just sit back and go, oh yeah, oh right, okay. What did they do? They said, hey, we want to be a part of that. Come on, that's awesome. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so many people sit back and they're like, 
oh yeah, the gospel, good news. You're like, oh no, this is radical. This is life transforming. This is the good news of Christ. So they hurried off. I love that. They hurried off, right? They didn't debate it. They didn't argue it. They hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Don't you know, I mean, just, just this side note, but, but don't you know for Mary, I mean, here's Mary and she's like, you know, God, do you, do you really care? I mean, I'm there in Nazareth. I'm, I've got my home ready, my nursery ready. And now I'm, now I'm having the baby here and there's no room in the inn. And did I miss it, God? I mean, what's going on? And then a bunch of shepherds bust in the door and go, where is he? And Mary's like, yes, you know, <laughs> thank you, God. Aren't you thankful for those fingerprints of God in your life? There's just reassurances of God. Maybe you had some over Thanksgiving and maybe you heard a child or a grandchild pray and and you just listen to the words. You're going, they're getting it. (laughs) There's hope, you know, or maybe in your life you could see this transformation that's starting to happen and you go, oh, okay, I'm not perfect, but, but I'm getting it. And I think Mary just had one of those moments right there. And the shepherds, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. See, here's how Jesus changes the world. Here's how he does it. One life at a time. One life at a time. A group of shepherds, they get it. And they return different. They return glorifying and praising God. And then a group of disciples, and they get it. And a group of women, and they get it. And then these early church members, man, they just are so passionate about God and they, they start to get it and lives are being changed. Society is being changed so much so that within 300 years, within 300 years, Constantine becomes the first Christian emperor of Rome, <laughs> literally changing and transforming the entire Roman empire that ruled at this time. Unbelievable. In 404 AD, there was, a, there was an Egyptian monk named Telemunchus. And Telemunchus came from Egypt and he came to Rome and he was walking around Rome and he saw the gladiatorial games. And he saw people killing each other in the Colosseum. And, and Telemunchus said, this, this isn't right. And he walked out in the middle of the Colosseum and he says, in the name of Christ, stop. Because the golden rule isn't might is right anymore. The golden rule isn't about he who has the gold rules. The golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That all people matter to God. And he stood there and you know what the crowd did? They turned on him and they stoned him to death, this follower of Jesus right there in the Colosseum. But three days later, the emperor of Rome said, no more. And that's the end of the gladiatorial games. If you go back and study it, it ended it. Because a follower of Christ said, no more. All people matter to God. One life at a time, one life at a time, one life at a time. Today, there's over 2 billion people who would say they're followers of Jesus. Two billion people. Why? Because Christ comes in and he changes us. See, Jesus isn't interested in making a few tweaks in my life. He's not interested in just kind of doing some minor renovations in my life. Jesus is saying, I want to transform you from the inside out. I want to change everything. You were under the old way, man. You were living for yourself. You were living for how much money you can make, for what you could do for yourself. I want to change you to be like me. 
a person of love, a person of joy, a person of grace, a person of peace. And we long for that. We, we kind of keep going back over here, but, but we long to be changed and transformed. And when we experience the joy of Christ, man, we just want to live it. Because Jesus changes everything in us. In the 19th century, there was a, a prominent attorney in the, London, and, and he was a big atheist. His name was Charles Bradlow. And Charles Bradlow was, was so confident in his atheism that he challenged a guy named Hugh Price Hughes to a debate. And Hugh Price Hughes said, I'll debate you, Christianity against atheism, but, but here's my condition, Hugh Price Hughes said. I'm going to bring a hundred people with me whose lives have been transformed by Jesus. I'm going to bring men and women whose lives have been changed and improved by Jesus Christ. And I want you to bring a hundred people whose lives have been changed by atheism. Whose lives have been improved or have been changed by atheism. You bring a hundred people, I'll bring a hundred people. And I'll show up for the debate. Well, a few days before, Charles Bradlow messaged Hugh Price Hughes and said, what if I can't find a hundred people who have been impacted by atheism? He said, well, that's fine. Just bring 50. The day before, he said, well, if I can't find 50, what about 20? What about 10? What about one? And Charles Bradlow never showed up for the debate. Because you see, it's Christ who changes us. It's not an ideology. It's not some great philosophy. It's Christ. It's Christ in us. And then he changes everything in us. And then out of what he does in our lives, we want to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to share what Jesus has done. Three words, right? Here's what Jesus did. What he did in this world. Number one, he brought light. He brought light into the world. He brought light in the world and the darkness could not overcome it. Have you looked at some places in the world where, you know, they try to outlaw Christ? What do you do? They dress in all black, uh, the treatment of women, always at war. Whether it's jihadist or whatever else, you're going, wait a minute, but you see glimmers of light. Why? Because Christ brings light. Christ brings light in our own life. And a lot of times we're, we live in the shame and we live in the guilt of the past. We, we live in this bitterness and it, and it has control of us. And yet the light has come to say, no, 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 no. You don't have to live that way. You can live in grace and you can live in peace. The second word is this, life. Life. That Jesus brought life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I mean, God's not some cosmic killjoy up there. God wants us to experience the best of life. He wants us to enjoy life. And when you and I are in right relationship with God and we're in right relationship with others, man, that's when we enjoy it, right? That's when God comes into our lives. But when we're in rebellion against God or we're in rebellion against other people and we have this anger in our side, it just, it impacts everything around us. But Jesus said, I want you to have life and not just life here, but life eternal. As God draws you to himself and invites you into this relationship with him, when you give your life to Christ, that's when eternal life begins. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to. And you know what the amazing part is? That we'll see our loved ones again. Praise God. We'll see people who've gone on before us. The third word is this, love. Love. Into this world where it was all about you. Jesus came in and he taught us about love. Jesus taught us to call God, I love this, Father. Now, nobody used that word for a God. I mean, nobody would ever say God. They were always afraid of God. But Jesus said, you could call God Father. Father. Now, in the the true sense of the word Father, what is a father? He loves unconditionally. (laughs) Provider. 
protector. What father loves their kids so much? They just love them. And God said, I love you. I love you so much that I'm going to send my one and only son who will die on a cross because I don't want to spend eternity without you. Love. C.S. Lewis said this. C.S. Lewis said, without Christ, it would always be winter, but never Christmas. Think about that. Without Christ, it would always be winter, but never Christmas. And the good news today is this. Christ has come, and it is Christmas. Christ has come, and it is Christmas. My life has changed. My life is different because of the grace of God. I mean, I look at my life and I know where I would be, you know, without Jesus. I'd be living for the things of this world. I'd be running after all the money and success and all that. And yet Christ comes in and changes us. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And the beauty that God brings to my life. When the fall happened, right? God created this perfect world. Then man sinned. And the fall and the decay, the decay, the decay. And yet Jesus came to make all things new. And I look at my life and I look at people in my life who are older. Maybe even elderly, but they're not there to be discarded. You learn in the wisdom and the experience that you gain from being around people like that. I look at my life and I'm so thankful for children and the joy that they bring. I look at my life, I'm thankful for orphans and what I learned from them when I go to Moldova or to South Africa or to the Amazon and and the poorest of the poor in the world, and the joy that they have, and you realize, hey, their joy comes not from stuff or from things. There's a joy that comes from knowing Christ. My life has changed, and the beauty of life that God brings as he puts people in my life like Sarah Zell, who lived her life in a wheelchair, but would show up every week and work with children in our preschool area and I just learned from her about how much she loved God and what a difference that you could make and no excuses you know I want to live my life for him and when Jesus changes us we become people who share the love of Christ and so for us this holiday may we share the love of Christ with others may we be people who look and see needs around us and say you matter to God I was having lunch the other day and I was sitting there with a, with a friend and we're eating over at Chewy's and, and this uh, server comes up and says, you know, can I take your order? And I, I looked up at her name tag and I said, yeah, Megan, thank you so much for serving us today. Uh, you know, I'll have a Coke Zero. And she looked down at her name tag and she said, you're the first person that's ever called me by name. So most people just say, hey, you, or they snap their fingers at me. She said, thank you for calling me by name. I was kind of caught off guard, man. I was like, you know what she was saying, though? Thank you for telling me that I matter. <laughs> Thank you for just, just saying that I'm a tool, you know, just to bring food. I, I matter. I'm valuable. You guys, listen, the holidays are going to be crazy. They're going to be busy. But you and I, when we walk into stores and we walk into restaurants, we tip well. But we look people in the eye and we say, you matter. You're important. God loves you just as much as he loves me. God loves you so much. You are valuable to God. But it even starts at home, doesn't it? It's so easy to get busy at home and, and all the things that are going on around us and, and not to stop and to look at the people whom we love in the eye and say, I want to listen to you. I want to hear you. You're valuable. You're more important than what's on TV right now. You're more important than the things of this world. You matter to God. This, this, this Christmas, let's share Christ. 
You know, don't just buy another sweater that's going to go in the closet or under the bed. You know, share Christ. Have spiritual conversations. Enter into those deep waters that say, you matter because of what Christ has done in me. I want to share Christ with you. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who sent his one and only son for you. Where are you today? Maybe you're here and and you've been coming and and there's something stirring in your heart. That's not me. That's the power of the Holy Spirit drawing you to God. There's a God who says, you matter. And all you can think about is your mistakes. And all you can think about is your baggage. And God's going, no, 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 no. Stop thinking about that. It's not what you do. It's what I've done. And this one solitary life changed everything. It changed the world, but he changes us. Praise be to God for his grace. Praise be to God for his mercy. And praise be to God for his son, Jesus, who changes everything. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't. But I know this, that the spirit of God is here. And there's a God who's saying, do you matter? There's a God who's saying, I know what's going on in your life. I know the worry. I know the fear. But I've come that you could have peace. Maybe today you just look at your life and you, man, you just feel like you're far from God. And today God's drawing you to himself. And God's just saying, I love you. Maybe today you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, and yet you still live in the way of the world. And these other things have grown more important than Christ. And today it's just a time of renewal, recommitment. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my marriage, of my children, my family, my friends, my work. Jesus, I want everything in my life to be yours. So Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you, God, that through Jesus we see a God who loves us. Who's not angry or mad at us. But wants to redeem and restore us. I pray this morning, Father, that we would understand the depth of your love. That even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we're not living in a world that's just so dominated by what's right and might and power. But through Christ, we can live in a world of love and grace and mercy. So change us, O God, today. And make us the hands and feet of Christ who go to share the love of Christ with others. And it's in the name, the beautiful, oh, the beautiful name of Jesus that we say, amen, amen, amen.